I'm out of Darien, California. Everything's fine here. I've got a beautiful day. Of course, I had a disconcerting week or so ago, which caused me to miss the last call and was hospitalized. But it seems that um, the net result of that is that prior to that, just prior to that, I had it a tooth extraction and apparently there's um, some connection between that and the condition that I uh, was hospitalized for rather than the condition being a result of uh, an unhealthy lifestyle or um, aging and so forth. So um, I'm in good health and uh, and Gurnisht is taking very good care of me, Gurnisht and, and Rindaranya. Uh, with uh, diet and exercise and uh, so forth. So um, everything's good on that front. And um, we were quite uh, busy with the publishing, but we got interrupted by um, these recent health events of mine, plus the, the virus, of course, that's... Uh, um, had us busy in different ways to uh, um, secure ourselves for a longer term here, for example, um, at Odaria, which is a pretty nice place to be kind of self-quarantined, if you will. Um, so <laughs> so uh, that uh, publishing kind of got put on the back burner. We actually published uh, Oh My Friend in a Kindle version and a, and a printed version on Amazon, but there was a slight there were some slight, um, a couple of things that could be improved on it, uh, the way they uh, did the margins. Um, and so we, we were in the process of resubmitting it. Um, it's a print-on-demand from Amazon.com. So that's easy to do, enough to do, but we haven't got around to it. So, um, But um, we're going forward with all of my books in that way to have them available on Amazon through print-on-demand and and also um, Kindle version. Print on demand is nice because it, for the most part, it can be shipped out um, locally in Europe or in other, uh, wherever, the, wherever Amazon is, um, is, is available. And then um, my book, uh, Circle of Friends, is also uh, progressing. I decided to write another chapter. And I have two, two appendixes to write. And... Uh, do other things like forward introduction and then you're starting to go, go through the book also for editing. So, so we're active on, on that, uh, uh, front. And, um, so that's a little bit what's been going on. So why don't we go and turn to the questions? Yeah. So, um, Eric, you're going to go first. This is uh, Eric's first time on the call and he's very happy to be here. He has a question and I'm going to, Unmute you, or you can say, I will unmute you. So go ahead, Eric. Hare Krishna. Uh, Dandavats Maharaj, it's uh, nice to hear you're uh, out of the hospital and in good health. Um, okay, so um, I guess one question that I've been having for a while that's kind of been a sort of big obstacle to the development of my shraddha is the how we're to understand um 
certain statements from the Bhagavatam and other uh, Vedic texts regarding human antiquity and uh, things like that, like events of the previous yugas, because um, and at, at least in relation to modern archaeological findings, because from my understanding, Srila Prabhupada at least kind of was on the side of we should take these statements in the Bhagavatam about human antiquity as, you know, literal historical fact. And I think that there's definitely credence that I, there's evidence that seems to be pointing in that direction, especially with like modern findings about like certain parts of Dwarka that, you know, had sunk into the ocean or what one, one devotee I know from the Midwest had done like a research about, uh, like certain events in the Bhagavatam corresponded to certain like very big, prehistoric like uh, mass extinctions and things like that and so I, there has been some things that have strengthened my faith in regards to this but um, I guess as compared to say for example certain statements in the Bhagavatam about the you know uh, Krishna's abode or certain things that are beyond our uh, you know perception that we kind of have to take those on the you know uh, statements of a higher authority like the Bhagavatam but with regards to things that exist within our like perception within the material world like history or archaeology I guess um, I'm just wondering do you have any resources in understanding this a bit better because I'm aware of like Michael Cremo and some of the things he's written and, and said about it but I guess I I, I just I just want to be pointed in the right direction so I can get my understanding of of like ancient history as according to the, you know, Vaishnava tradition squared away. So I understand your question. Good question. Thank you. First, I'd like to begin uh, by saying that the, those things that are beyond our immediate experience, that you referred to in the context of your question, that you said we have to take on faith, such as Krishna's abode and, and so forth. I think that, uh, first of all, we have to look at uh, those things in terms of the metaphysic of the Bhagavatam, the way in which it uh, looks at the nature of, of um, excuse me, nature of reality, and in a term that is a chinti beta beta. So there's an imminence and transcendence. Um, it's a, uh, it's a uh, we have a panentheistic perspective, the world in God, uh, which places God also beyond the world at the same time. And when you look at that uh, metaphysic worldview, philosophical, theological uh, perspective, the implication of that is that in transcendence and ultimate reality, there's an interaction um, between ourselves as units of consciousness and Krishna as the source of consciousness. And that interaction is what uh, uh, constitutes love. Love is reciprocal. Uh, dealings and so forth. So it's it's a it's a it's a worldview in which love is supreme, if you will, and um, it's, uh, it's 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 well reasoned and whatnot. 
and uh, if we're uh, disposed towards uh, faith in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, then 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 understanding this uh, kind of ground tattva, you have to have a lila, you have to have an abode, you have to have a trans um, rational super subjective realm. Mm-hmm. We're units of, of the subjective realm ourselves, and that realm is also uh, subjective. But the subjective here is not something less than the objective. The objective is less than the subjective. Being contained within it and coming out of it for a period, it's like the smoke of the fire that we're the sparks of, and the heat and the light is the internal energy in Krishna's fire itself. So, so the objective world where we're you know, grounded in our illusion, if you will, which then becomes the, 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 the place in which everything has to be verified. And so for, that's a mistaken idea. We're, 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 in the, we're in the smoke, so to speak. And um, so to try to verify the super subjective meditative realm Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is when I say it's subjective, I don't mean to say something less, something more. So like to control your mind is, is more than not having control. What will come out of it, what will be experienced is something more and more profound. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so uh, so then, to, then to verify that uh, super subjective realm, objectively speaking, which we tend to want to do, if you will, because of our orientation, is a difficult task. But sometimes we try to do that a little bit to help people have faith because they're so grounded, for example, in that. So uh, the idea that you mentioned, for example, there's some archeological evidence that there was a great fort uh, off the coast of of Dwarka or that there was a a bridge underneath the water from India to, uh, Talanka, it was Hanuman's Bridge, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, you can try to objectively verify these this entire subjective meditative realm and perspective hmm, that the texts are writing from. For example, the Bhagavatam is said to be spoken in the Samadhi Bhasha. Bhasha means language, the language of the, the trance of Vyas. So he's not really looking at Krishna in the way ordinary people would look at Krishna, who if they saw him, historically speaking, would see him differently and not with the eyes of love and the third eye, so if you will, and more of Vyasa's samadhi. And so when someone tries to prove historically through archeological evidence and and other type of objective evidence, being pressed to do so as if that's that's the standard of what's true, I mean, I don't agree with that. If you can't prove it objectively with third-party objective, uh, you know, evidence, it doesn't, it's not true. I mean, we can't prove that we exist. It's a subjective experience, and our whole existence is everything we do is based on that. So um, these are just different categories: hmm? subjective, objective verification. Subjective verification has been dismissed, dis- diminished, and dis- dismissed considerably um, in in the world today since the scientific, you know, uh, revolution and so forth, and the controlled experiment, but it's gone too far with that. Yes, so every subjective experience everybody has isn't, 
isn't necessarily true. But the intersubjective experiences of mystics cross-culturally, well, that's something maybe we should, you know, take, take seriously. So, so, so at any rate, when you try to prove, you know, here Krishna walked here and he did exactly this and, and, and so forth, um, it's going to break down. Uh, even if you could prove that uh, Krishna lived the twerk at this time from a modern historical point of view, you couldn't prove the, that um, all the miraculous things that Piaz talks about that he did. You're still going to have, you're going to have a historical Krishna. Okay, great. Krishna's real. But then, but, but, but he's not doing, you can't de- prove that he, that he lifted over on Hill, you know, for example, right? You could prove that he, maybe he lived in the bread region. There was somebody named Vasudev and, uh, you know, and, and Ram, their, their coins with Ram and Vasudev on them and, and the Greeks, some of the Greeks, uh, you know, worship uh, Vasudev uh, having come to India and so forth. But, you know, you can't, let's like say, prove that he killed Agasura and, and, and so on. So that, that kind of verification, if you will, it may be all right for a neophyte in the beginning or requires that, but one has to go beyond that and realize that the whole objective world is coming out of the subjective world. It, it, it's more like the, the, like the, you know, like sometimes in modern uh, 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 philosophy and, and, and in, in neuroscience, they, they make an argument for the mind just being an epiphenomenon of the brain. So like, the steam, you know, coming off the boiling water that has no use, it has no bearing on the water, and so forth. Well, the objective world is is, is more like that. Hmm? It, it's 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 coming out of the subjective world, and it, and it's there for a little while, and it has no bearing on the uh, ultimately on the subjective world. Hmm? You don't die. Hmm? The objective world is transforming, and so forth. And you're 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 apart from it. Of course, that's our that's our philosophy. And we give a, a means by real life to, to experience that and so forth. So um, to preface my answer, um, you know, I, I wanted to put something like that out there for, for you hope you benefit from that. But otherwise, with regard to the precise, uh, the detail of your question and the, uh, the antiquity hmm, that is posited in the, in the, in the Hindu scriptures and in, in Eastern Rev- Revelation, um, with regard to uh, human um, activity on earth and so forth. Well, one thing about the antiquity of the Eastern revelation is that in, that in one sense uh, has some uh, correspondence with the modern scientific perspective on the age of the world or the planet and so forth. In comparison, for example, to the, to the Western or biblical revelation where it seems that, you know, whatever it was, I don't know, 6,000 years ago, the world started or 2000 years ago, I, I forget what they, what they say. And to take that literally really conflicts very strongly. Uh, and sometimes persons, even in the scientific community acknowledge that, Well, the, the Eastern revelation posits these much longer cycles and periods of time and, and, and antiquity. But then when you have human, human, um, existence in such antiquity, then that's it's what your question is, starts to contradict with modern archaeological findings and so on and so forth. You have the yugas, for example, hmm? yuga theory. Now, I wrote about the yuga theory in my book, Sacred Preface, 
in the, uh, I think in the third chapter of that book. You might want to get that book. It's available at darshampress.com. Um, it's a commentary on the Mangalacharan of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, but, I, but I've brought in some modern perspectives uh, uh, in terms of thinking about what, what's being said there uh, 500 years ago. So, um, and particularly with regard to Kali Yuga. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, 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 I've said a number of things, and it's along the lines of how I'm speaking now, but um, I don't think that you, uh, I think what we have to be focused on, it, we have to focus on it, is the, is, is, the, is the sense of urgency that the texts like the Bhagavatam or the Chaitanya Charitamrita are, are trying to bring uh, to bear on us, that, that we might, as a result of this, be uh, inspired and compelled to take up the practice. That this is a rare time. This is an overall, overall an inauspicious time. It's hard, hard, kind of, kind of argue, hard to argue that this is a time of hypocrisy and uh, um, and um, um, unqualified leadership uh, <laughs> uh, and, 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 and so forth. Um, that's uh, you know uh, fairly op- obvious to us, um, and and then an auspicious thing has happened nonetheless, and that means the, the 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 advent and dispensation and the, the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which are arguably a very uh, deep uh, insight into the subjective world. Not that other traditions don't give us some view into that, but the penetration into it that. Uh, is spoken about in Chaitanya Charitamrita is, is really unmatched. The inner kind of workings of the romantic heart of the absolute, if you will, in, uh, in, in, in play, in, in, in Leela. Um, and and it, that's become available, that insight at this time, hmm, uh, which is otherwise inauspicious. This, is a, this, this, this uh, contrast is, is extraordinary. And so take advantage of this time now and so that, that is the real focus of he's the Kali Yuga avatar. It's the Kali Yuga, and this is a special dispensation within this particular Kali Yuga, and so on and so forth. So I wouldn't get I would I would kind of like draw from the teaching about the yugas. This point is the real emphasis. Otherwise, details about the yuga cycles and what their implication is and who is the avatar in a different yuga and. The, you know, it's not as really so important, so vital to us. These are things that are borrowed in the Bhagavatam. There are many things that are borrowed from the greater pranic perspective of the time. The whole view of nature and the world, the objective world, is borrowed entirely from the Sankhya philosophy, as it is in Buddhist philosophy. Buddhists borrow from the Sankhya philosophy. It was the prevailing perspective on the nature of nature. And so it's incorporated into the Bhagavatam as some other things are like the Yuga cycles. They're talked about prior to the Bhagavatam in different Puranas. And uh, I think there's might be an original reference to that cyclical or cyclical time. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's very Eastern. And uh, and that has, if you will, some scientific uh, credibility. In, in, in present times. That's kind of the bigger picture of cyclical time rather than linear time. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very interesting. Uh, but the actual literal cycles, Satya Yuga, it lasted this long. You can find different descriptions in different Puranas. Mm-hmm. 
the Bhagavatam took it in a particular way and used it then to present with a very sense of urgency, you know, uh, this is the Kali Yuga, take advantage of this text, the Bhagavatam, um, but what are we to take advantage of? You know, the essence of the teaching and so on and so forth, to pay attention in the times in which we live, you know, right now. Uh, and then, then the Godi is coming and taking the Bhagavatam uh, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did as the very heart. They've you know, developed it and, and explained it um, more and better than anyone else because no one else took it as seriously as the, as the Goswamis and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did. And so, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of course, is the Yuga avatar, you know, and it, 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 you, using that whole Puranic avatar, uh, you know, perspective and locating Chaitanya Mahaprabhu there. Um, but that is rather kind of external in a sense, even though we can be made as a big, big point. It's Kali Yuga, he's a Yuga avatar. That would, that kind of um, teaching and emphasis would be more compelling to a person in those times hmm? when there weren't other perspectives about time and the natural world and so forth that were derived from a more intense investigation of the objective world, bringing up certain data and so forth. Of course, largely at the cost of the subjective world. Hmm? And the idea that there's even a mind that's different from a brain, what to speak of, a, of an atma and a god and a whole world. So there's a great uh, loss in that, uh, you know, search for truth and reality that is so focused on the objective world as to dismiss the reality of the subjective world where everything really goes on. <laughs> All happiness and sadness goes on in the subjective world. I mean, the quasi-subjective world, the mind energized by the touch of, of consciousness proper and so forth. So it's, it, you know, people say, well, why should I believe in God or the, the, the Atma? Uh, you know, why should, it's like, it, it, to take it further, why should I give credence to the subjective world? Uh, well, because you have experience of it and it's the realm of experience. I mean, we experience that life has a subjective and an objective component. Why should I dismiss one? Why should I try to collapse one into the other? And if I'm going to, there's reason to, 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 to conclude that it would be more sensible to collapse the objective world into the subjective world. But anyway, that's, you know, I'm just uh, 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 extending the, the discussion a bit. So I, uh, yeah, there was, a, there are times when Prabhupada sought to kind of ground his disciples hmm, and is speaking to, 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 to novices, to neophytes, um, who would, whose credence would, would be, faith would be uh, fostered at least for some time by an objective sense uh, of, of, of proving and demonstrating the reality of Krishna and, and to do so dismiss the, the, the other currents of thought that, you know, contradict with it, rascals, fools, uh, you know, what do they know? And there's some, some truth to that, fools, what do they know? <laughs> And, 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 and their, their method and so forth. But, you know, uh, that's not the whole story either. So um, if you can get grounded in your faith enough to practice and practice seriously and intensely as bhakti, that's what it's, it, it's for. If you, if you want to give up the path of this or that or the other thing and take to bhakti, well, it's a whole lifestyle. Hmm? 
it's it's really doing everything that I do for Krishna. Easier said than done, but um, um, uh, as much as one can do that, well, not only everything I do for Krishna, that would be like, like a rope siddha bhakti or, you know, if, uh, everything I do, I do Krishna's work only, not my work, give it to Krishna. That has some value, obviously, and we can get something from that, but hearing, chanting, worshiping, the this is, this is bhakti inherently. These, this sarup siddha bhakti has real um, power. And so to come entirely under sarup siddha bhakti, you're going to get a powerful um, result from that. So um, if somehow or other one can uh, gather a person's faith enough to, to um, drive them to practice and to get experience, then with that experience, these types of things are not, these types of arguments are not as much uh, of an obstacle. I don't say that you don't have any experience. Obviously you do, but you have enough to, to nod your head and, and agree with what I'm saying and understand it and so forth, I, I believe. And that's good rather than resistance to it because it's not literally exactly the way, you know, I heard it before or said from some, some devotees. You know, teaching is also according to time and circumstance. Prabhupada was trying to ground people in a certain way and as, so that as a result, they would be, as I said, driven to practice and get experience. And then they're supposed to have a spiritual intelligence to think about, think about things. And put into perspective, for example, in the Bhagavatam, what's essential, what's non-essential, what's really important, uh, and so forth. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, uh, think that the um, uh, such conflicts, if you will, those conflicts between modern perspective on time, on history, human history, right, and what the Bhagavatam says in one sense, they're, they're not even competing narratives because the Bhagavatam is just talking about the world in an entirely different way. The whole way that it talks about the material world is only for the purpose of compelling one to take up the practice by which it will be transcended. Hmm? So it's not going into all details of everything, exactly how it works and so forth. It takes the time, the perspective of the time, uses it and talks about it only really from the perspective of of, to compel us how to transcend it. Hmm? And, and so, uh, you know, if you want to look at the material world from a modern scientific perspective and how matter is like, just going on like a machine, it doesn't really contradict our perspective hmm? at all. Hmm? Um, anyway, so uh, I, wouldn't, uh, uh, I wouldn't be troubled for you to... To, uh, the need to take that literally as far as works like um, Michael Cremos and so forth. That's, that's an example of someone com- driven by a necessity to, to prove the super subjective reality through objective evidence. That's a failed, um, you know, mission. I mean, I didn't, I don't find his, his, his work to be, um, I think it lacks intellectual uh, integrity um, and it's somewhat conspiratorial in, 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 in o- o- overall. And um, so 
Uh, and again, I mean, I, you know, he's a nice enough person and, and, but what he's done is, is, is taken Prabhupada's statements along those lines, literally, and doesn't feel that he has the flexibility to look at them differently and to see that the, the literal emphasis of Prabhupada was more of a time and circumstance emphasis than, than not. There's a famous letter, just, and I'll end with this, um, that Prabhupada wrote to a student named Krishnadas, who years ago was troubled by uh, similar, what would appear to be conflicts between what the Bhagavatam scribes about relative things and nature and so forth and, and modern science. And Prabhupada said, then look at it, uh, the Bhagavatam just metaphorically in that regard, and Chanara Krishna, you, know, you, don't have, you, you don't have to you know, be troubled by that and so forth. So, I mean, so the flexibility that he showed with a student who brought it up to him is, uh, is um, important. And um, a, lot of, a lot of disciples of Prophet, they don't seem to be able to, um, they're, they're kind of afraid mm-hmm. to do anything other than take Prabhupada literally, which is, which is a, um, kind of a unfortunate uh, at this time, after so many years, it kind of holds them in kind of a, many of them in a kind of a kanishta or neophyte kind of status. Um, in other words, Prabhupada talked about things like, so in a lot of ways, he said, stop thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay, because <laughs> what are my thoughts about, you know? And, and but when I met Pujapatrita Marsh, who Prabhupada advised me to go to, he said, now, now I have to start thinking. Mm-hmm about all the things that he put in you and the implications of them and different times and circumstance. So there's a way to think spiritually, right? Mm-hmm. I and, see. There's, and there's a point for not thinking just yes, yes, accept it literally. So how do you think spiritually and land on your feet? And you're going to need some guidance with that. I appreciate your question. I hope I have been able to afford some guidance with regard to this, uh, this topic in general. Oh, yes. That, that was very, very, um, yeah, that, that made a lot of sense. I, I really appreciate that, Maharaj. That's um Okay. That that helped a lot. Have to make your friends. Krishna <laughs> um, Chaitanya, would you like to ask your question? Unmute. Hare Krishna. Am I coming through? Good morning. Um uh, I have a question. I heard on a talk, I think it was a walk maybe, um, you were discussing a particular devotee who had a particular type of Radha Dasyam. I I don't remember the details of how that particular devotee was so inclined towards Radha, but the point that stuck out in my mind that I was curious about was that you said that you thought that maybe that devotee didn't actually have that mood, but was quite influenced by a um, very influential Vaishnava in their life. And I was just wondering about this idea of someone being influenced by uh, 
a devotee in their life and not being aware of that influence and what the implications that that may be. Um, if, if you, if that is at all clear. It's not that clear, but I think that um, there is certainly a possibility, uh, strong possibility, if not uh, that the, being the norm, that will be influenced by particular uh, Vaishnava in, in ways that are apparent, visible and obvious and so forth, and will change the trajectory of our life and, uh, and so on. Um, while at the same time, there are ways that we are simultaneously being influenced by that Vaishnava that we don't um, uh, realize, but that will come to pass in time as we progress. Hmm? So that's uh, very, um, very understandable. Um, again, I don't know, remember the conversation uh, and you don't hear that well. So um, um, I don't know what more I can say about that, but, that, but uh, I wouldn't, it's some, certainly not anything to be worried about <laughs> or uh, concerned about. Um, and it, it can only be for our uh, good, however we're influenced by um, uh, sadhus, great saints, and so forth. I mean, um, I guess to go on a little bit, um, uh, devotees are, sadhus are driven by spiritual emotion and, um, and uh, the emotive aspect of bhakti is something that uh, doesn't uh, really fully uh, kick in, if you will, until we enter um, bhakti proper, which would be bhava bhakti. Whereas in sadhana bhakti or bhakti in practice, um, it's more of a going through the motions and performing the under the limbs of bhakti, hearing and chanting and so forth, out of um, ins just being inspired by an example um, and by philosophical uh, understanding. Um, and, um, and so the emotive uh, components, I say, of bhakti is not active at that time. And, but meanwhile, the devotee who's who's teaching us and so forth is, is uh, an, um, um, uh, under that uh, emotive influence as well, and uh, ideally, and is uh, doing the same things, but driven more by emotion than by you know, a sense of duty or just a, uh, a philosophical sense of the, the importance of, 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 of such engagement and so forth. And, um, and so typically then, that would be the same emotional influence that um, we would uh, develop in due course. And so as sadhana bhakti becomes uh, perfected in terms and we graduate from it in, in, into Baba Bhakti, then there's a, a, and in the higher stages of sadhana as well, then there's, a, there's more of an understanding of the guru's inner life and uh, the prominent sadhu in our life, uh, his inner life and, um, and our connection with that. Um, typically, of course, 
that means madhurya rasa or romantic uh, uh, love for Krishna, a particular type of romantic love in which there's um, not really a desire to have direct union with Krishna, but to, but to unify Radha and Krishna. And um, that's the dominant e- emotion amongst our acharyas and in the literature and so on and so forth. Um, for good reason, because that's what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to uh, experience. He came to experience the Bhava of Radha, uh, for, uh, experience of himself through, you know, through her eyes um, and through her heart and so forth. And so there's a way to get as close to the experience of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that he sought, that Krishna is seeking as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that is um, this particular type of Madhurya Rasa, we call it Babulasa or Manjari Bhav and so forth. That's the dominant influence. Of course, there's, there's the supportive influence, and I refer to it as such, of Sakiras because of how supportive Nityananda uh, Prabhu was driven by that, being Balaram and Krishna's best friend and brother in, in, the Krishna, in Krishna Leela, um, how, how supportive he was of Mahaprabhu's pursuit of Madhurya Rasa and actively and energetically involved in, in um, pointing that out to people. Hmm? Whereas as Balaram and Krishna Leela, he can't do that directly. So as Nityananda Prabhu and Gorlila, he had the opportunity to directly participate in this sense, in Madhurya Rasa, by giving it to the world, pointing to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And, and in the context of that, of course, obviously he was assisted by his own Sakya Rasa systems, the Bhopals, and so that influences there also in Gaudiya um, Sampradaya. So those would be, you know, examples of the emotional content that uh, we, we're going to be influenced by without realizing it at a certain point and later it'll be, be, be realized. Um, and it, and it, it's, it's possible also in some cases that the, the prominent sadhu in our life, in this life, may be under the influence of Madhurya Rasa, for example, or by Sakya Rasa or vice versa, whereas the student may be of another, um, you know, the opposite. That, that's possibly previous lives and, and, and any number of other um, circumstances. Um, but it will all have impact on our eternal life in, in, in the Leela. Hmm? Even if we have a, even if our, uh, 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 due to any number of reasons, basically influences, um, is in the direction of Madhuri Rasa, the Sakya Rasa Guru, there's, it's prominent. There's a, there's a reason for that. Hmm? And it will play itself out also. Um, in in our um, participation in the Lula, ultimately. So I, I realize I kind of expanded upon uh, your, your what maybe what you were asking for, but I hope that helps. Okay. Yes. Um. Thank you. Okay, um, Pranada, do you want to ask your question? Sure. Thank you for the book you sent me recently. Beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. The, the margins weren't done well, but overall it was a huge project of love, huh? 
Krishna sends Uddhava to Vrindavan to pacify his parents and the gopis, but no mention is made of um, the gopas at that time, both in Bhagavatam itself and in Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary. And I'm wondering what the reason is for that, what's, what's happening there. Well, um, first of all, it's typical that in the context of the burden of, its, of the Sakha's own separation from Krishna, to some extent, the burden of the separation of those in Madhuriras and Dasiras and Vatsaliras uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, such is the nature of friends. Um, so, uh, for example, when Krishna uh, decided to remain on in Mathura rather than returning for different reasons, um, then he turned to his friends, Sridhar Subal, and um, gave them letters, messages to give to his parents and uh, Mother Yasoda, that is, and, uh, and the gopis respectively, and to uh, advise them and to be a force, as I say, in the context of their own separation of Christian, which is now impending, they had to leave, um, mitigate to some extent the feelings of separation of, of the uh, of, of those and Madhuriras, Sridham, as they say, and um, and uh, Subal Maharaj he asked, well, what about the Catholics? You know, who will, who will pacify them? And he said, well, he, he, he said, he told his friends how to mitigate their um, separation to some extent as well to disguise themselves as himself and, and uh, um, his sense on their bodies and, 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 and the cows would think that <laughs> You're fading in a little bit in and out a little bit Well anyway, so the point is that, the, that that's the role of Sakiras to some extent so this is an extension of an answer to your question and so then to carry that further, when Krishna sent at least prominently a showcase in the Bhagavatam messengers back to, to pacify the inhabitants, he chose Uddhava and later he chose Balaram. Uddhava um, Dasirasa, but his Dasirasa is mixed with Sakirasa. When he goes to Braj, then the Sakirasa aspect of, Balaram, of, of Uddhava will come over the front and, his, and there will be a further extension then of his... Um, of his Bhav that reaches beyond the, the, the range that Dasiras would allow due to the influence of, of Sakirasa. So it's kind of the Sakya in, 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 in Uddhava that Krishna appeals to. And again, then Sakirasa here becomes, uh, we have an instance in which it becomes a media, a, an influence to pacify the separation of others in other rasas. And then Balaram, of course, is in Sakiras, and Krishna sends him back, and and he pacifies as well. So again, this is the role, to some extent, of Sakirasa. Mm-hmm. Um, as to the Bhagavatam's description of Uddhava's um, 
uh, messages, yes, it speaks about him meeting with Nanda Yasoda, and then it speaks about him uh, meeting with the gopis. It doesn't speak about him meeting with the gopis, but it doesn't mean that he didn't meet with the gopis. He didn't talk to them. Um, Sugadev glosses over that. When Balaram comes, then, um, of course, in the extended commentaries and so forth, then, you know, he, he speaks with the gopis uh, as, as well. Um, so I wouldn't, uh, you know, take that to be uh, um, significant as if to say, you know, there was no concern for their Sakiras. But overall, again, the message is Sakiras is, 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 is in the context of its own separation. This is the work of friends, you know, to help others in their uh, separation. But certainly, Uddhava also met with them. Balaram met with them. Um, and I think you'll, you'll find, at least with regard to Balaram, played out a little bit more in go, works like Gopal Champu um, uh, and so forth. The Bhagavatam's kind of cutting to the chase, if you will, and, and the real main emphasis, for that matter, of Uddhava's message uh, to Vrindavan is... is, is is that which is delivered to the gopis. And Madhuryarasa um, uh, and so forth. That's its main main emphasis. So, does that help? Yes, thank you. Okay. okay we have one more question. Um, but before that question, I just wanted to again announce that next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, um, we will be having a Japa weekend with talks by Pamanava Swami and our Guru Maharaj will also be speaking on Sunday at this time, a special um, talk on Japa. Um, and we're all excited that he's going to be able to participate. So the um, schedule will be coming out this afternoon or this evening and we'll we send out a reminder um, towards the middle and end of the week. We would like, you know, as many of you to participate as possible. Um, really a, a nice opportunity to have um, Pamanavasani stranded in North Carolina right now and nothing else to do but to spend time with us. And looks like our, our Gumaraj is also in a similar situation, so we'll take advantage of that. So Pamanavasani, would you like to ask your question? Okay. And uh, I was wondering a little bit about the <clears throat> the mood of Gadadhar Pandit serving Mahaprabhu in, in Nityanabhadweep in the sense that generally we hear of him in his mood of Radha giving her bab to Gore in the Bhomalila with Mahaprabhu coming to taste Radha Bab. But in the Nityalila in the Nityanabhadweep Generally, there's not that emphasis on Mahaprabhu tasting Radhabab as, as like the main purpose for his descent here. So which would be the role, if you will, of Gadadhar Pandit in the Nityanabhadip since Mahaprabhu is not that committed to be successful in this main reason for his descent here? Well, in the, in the Prakat Leela course, Chaitanya uh, Mahaprabhu leaves Navadweep and goes to Radhanath Puri and there his is, uh, you know, the, uh, he, he is then as a sannyasi teaching 
and teaching by his example. And so, yes, there's here he's trying to step into the bob of, of Radha and so forth. Um, and Gadadha Pandit is there to assist him. Um, but in the Navadweep Leela, it's not that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu doesn't taste Radha Bhava, he does. Um, and um, and uh, I guess we've talked about the, I guess what we, how we, we want to look at the Prakat Leela is like, but the Prakat Leela is, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was showcasing is like, a, it's kind of like I sometimes talk about it as a trailer, you know, to the, the whole movie. So it's like, this is what Gore Leela, the Nitya Leela, the, the unmanifest Leela, is is uh, all about. It's about that uh, moment and the extension of that moment of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of Krishna as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tasting Radha Bhav. And so there's a whole climax and build up and how it happens and in the Prakat Leela step by step and, and so which helps us to walk walk through it as well following his uh, uh, example um, but um, the, the while the Madhya Leela and Mahaprabhu Sannyasa is all a teaching Leela and his auntie Leela as well the Navadvipa there's some teaching there obviously but but it, it's the Leela to attain so Mahaprabhu is 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 not trying to attain Radhabhav there, he's in Radhabhav there. Hmm? And Gadadhar is there um, uh, as well. And uh, um, celebrating that um, along with him. So I think you have to look at um, Gadadhar as Radha in a different Leela. Hmm? And in that Leela, uh, Krishna is there and Krishna's going in and out um, seamlessly to her mood, of her mood. Uh, when in meditation and hearing the Leela Kirtan of Sarup Damodar at his house in the early um, hours of the evening and late afternoon, hmm, Mabu hears something uh, sung by Srup Damodar Leela Kirtan and then he lets out a roar and and takes off for the evening to Srivas Angam. And when he goes from his house to Srivas Angam, it it corresponds with uh, Krishna leaving his house in secret out the out the back window. Of course Mahaprabhu doesn't have to go out the back window because he's going out for San Kirtan. It's a religious activity. Krishna's going out for an apparently irreligious activity, so it has to be secret. But he's going He's going out to meet uh, Radha. Of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu now is turned into Radha, so to speak. So it's Radha going out uh, to meet to meet Krishna, which is also a religious, irreligious, irreligious activity. But in the context of the Gorli, it's a religious activity. It's Nams and Kirtan. At the, you know, who can complain if your son wants to go to Kirtan at uh, at one of the elders in the community's homes, the home being Shivastakura. So Mahaprabhu is is in the bhav of Radha going out to secretly meet with Krishna, so to speak, in, internally. Hmm? But externally, Gadadhar is there as his, as his lifelong friend and comp- companion and so forth. And um, 
and functioning in Gorlila as he does um, otherwise in, in, in Navadweep. And um, internally, when Mahaprabhu is in, for example, Shiva Sangam experiencing Rasalila, then, then, then he experiences it internally as well. So uh, I think that, you know, between the Prakat Lila and the, and the Aprakat Lila, between the manifest and the unmanifest Lila, there's less of a teaching going on uh, that we that we see that got out of pond that is part of. Of course, he's also giving Bhagavatam class in, in the unmanifest Lila and so on and so forth. But um, again, this manifest Lila is like taking that reality of the Nitya Lila and playing out, you know, like, He's becoming Radha, you know, it's a big drama, that one moment, so to speak, that he's actually always uh, um, absorbed in. Um, in other words, always absorbed whenever the Leela, the Kirtan, the meditation and so forth um, uh, becomes deep, that, that's where he, where, where, where he finds himself. It's a Leela still of sadhakas, apparent sadhakas, who are siddhas. Hmm? So Gadadhar is, is is also a sadhaka in that in the in in that Leela. But he's not as as let's say overtly teaching Chaitanya Mahaprabhu either directly or indirectly hmm, um, as he is in the Prakat Leela. Does that help? Yes, Gunras. And one little thing regarding that, because generally you mentioned that in the Prakat Leelas Mahaprabhu is tasting rather about more and more. Gadadhar disappears and you know, resists to the background because his per- presence next to Mahaprabhu will like remind Mahaprabhu that Radha is some, someone else, if you will. So how this will play out in the Nitya Lila where you say Mahaprabhu is mostly, he has not to attain Radha Baba, but he is there. But also Gadadhar will be there day after day. So his presence in this case will like, if you will, remind Mahaprabhu that I think it's a little poetic, but I mean, it's also, it's like, okay, he gets out of the way for the teaching. Mahaprabhu is successful. Then does he disappear forever? You know, no, now he's successful. He's in Radha Bhava. So the mission is mission accomplished. Now that Adhar is going to be back in the scene, the mission is accomplished. And he's back in the scene, not to teach or give his bhav. Uh, I mean, we say he gives his bhav. Now he's zero. You know, it doesn't mean he actually lost his bhav. That's a poetic you know, kind of way of expressing it that Puja Patrita Maharishi used to use. What he's saying when he's zero, it means that he's, he's, he's taking a negative position. He's giving, giving, not taking. He's just giving, giving. But he has unlimited to give. Radha has, is going to get Radha. It's not like I get, you know, some yogi gives his shakti to somebody else and then he collapses. Hmm? That That's, you know, something else. <laughs> if it's om purna madha purna midam. So, if 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 Radha gives her shakti entirely to someone, there, there, there's no limit to it. So it's not that she collapses and becomes. It, it, so in a poetic sense, she, she, in the, in the Prakatlila, he's getting out of the way. He's receding to the background. He receding to the background. Says that Radha Baba is coming into Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. When he when he fully is in that Baba, Radha is also present there then in the Nitya Lila. Hmm. But he's Radha in a particular space, if you will, for that, um, that particular Leela. Hmm? That help? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, nice to talk with you all.
hope to be. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to the, 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 the Nam. Um, I've never been to a Japa retreat, so I appreciate the invitation from Kishore. Krishna actually organized it in Archant City. Um, was thoughtful enough to invite me to participate. Um, I I think I will talk a little bit just to say that in advance because Maharaj will probably be preparing some kind of talks or talk, and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of the of the mantra and uh, that we chant and um, as a as 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 a starting point. So. Um, Oh, well, we look forward to it and um, hope everybody stays healthy and well, um, as well as can be in this situation. Jai, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Kalachandra, Hare Krishna. Okay, Hare Krishna.